Excuse me, but are you loving this podcast? If you are, you can support the show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. All you have to do is hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Excuse me, I have something to say. Hello and welcome to Excuse Me, the podcast where we have real and open conversations about life and everything it throws at us. I'm your host, Sean Philip Naylor, and if you're tuning in for the first time, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never have to miss an episode. You can also join in the conversation by surfing your way over to the show's official website or follow along on the show's official Twitter, Facebook or Instagram pages where you can slide into my DMs and let me know your thoughts on the show or even future topics you'd like me to tackle. And as always, those links are embedded into the show notes for you. Hi guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Excuse Me. To all of you regular listeners, welcome back. And if you're just finding the podcast for the first time this week, hello and welcome. Thank you for tuning in. And don't forget to click that subscribe button or to rate and review the podcast on iTunes if that's where you're listening from. Now, if you are a regular listener and you've been following the podcast for a little while now, you may have noticed something a little different at the beginning of this episode. Yep, I'm talking about that sexy little lip media sting. That's right, listeners. The exciting news that I have been teasing for a little while now is that the podcast has officially joined the Lip Media Network, and I couldn't be more excited. Lip Media is a Melbourne-based podcasting network that showcases podcasts that are created by LGBTQIA individuals and by women. And I'm thrilled that not only have they seen the potential in my humble little podcast, but now I also get to work with and be a part of a great group of creative individuals. This also means, though, that there will be the addition of ads onto the podcast, usually at the beginning, middle and end of an episode. So not too distracting from the content. And I hope you all continue to listen and to enjoy the podcast. Now, coming up this week's episode, I'll be welcoming back my fiance, my other half, my better half, some would say, Benny Cole. And we'll be getting very personal as we talk about our own coming out experiences. I was 18 when I made the decision to come out, whereas Benny was much older. And as anyone who has had to come out knows, it's a bit of a mindfuck and a really hard thing to do. 
So with this episode, I'm hoping to share a little insight into two very unique experiences in the hopes that it might be helpful to anyone out there who is coming to terms with their own sexual identity or struggling with the whole process of coming out. Hi, Benny. Thanks for making another appearance on the podcast and thank you for having this conversation with me. I know that it's not necessarily the easiest of conversations to put out there into the world. Thanks for having me back. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be important. It is important. And as you know, it's a topic that I've wanted to discuss on the podcast for a long time. And it's one that I wanted to do very early on in the piece. But there's a few sensitive things that might come up during the conversation. And you quite rightfully had to have a conversation with a couple of people first just so uh, to give them the heads up that you know it might be a bit sensitive and if they do listen to it they need to bear that in mind now the thing with this particular topic which is coming out is that it's always so incredibly unique to the individual and a lot of the time people can I guess sort of they can kind of make it about them when that's not really the case and with the person who is coming out you always go through 110 different scenarios about how's this person going to react? Or I know for me, when I was uh, 17, 18, trying to make that decision to to come out once I kind of was like, okay, fuck it, I'm going to have to do this. I was so concerned about, about the way my mum would uh, handle it. Like, my, I mean, you know, my mum, she's very lovely. She's very supportive. She's very caring and she's a wonderful human being. But even with that in mind, I was always still terrified that she was just going to kick me out of the house and I would have nowhere to go. I remember doing mental checklists. I would go through my whole family. I'd start with the grandparents because I thought that would probably find it difficult to understand. And then parents and then siblings and then cousins and then best friends and all the people in my life. And I would go through every scenario. I gotta say I got most of them right well, that's good. some of them are way off I I think I was really lucky and I don't know if it is partly living in England when I was that at that age when I was coming out it's very different culture over there than it is here and I found it was it there were certain people it was really easy to have the conversation with like for example one of the very first people I ever told that I was gay was my my cousin Kirsty who I was incredibly close with at the time and it was really like a nothing thing for her and she knew me better than anyone And it was very much like, you know, I was building up and building up and building up to it. And I was like inside internally, I was losing my shit going, oh my God, oh my God, she's going to hate me. She's going to hate me. Bearing in mind, this is the same girl that she and I used to get together and watch Will and Grace every week. Like what, in hindsight, you kind of like, what was I afraid of? But you never know how someone is going to react to that piece of information. Agreed. I remember when I was a teenager, probably a younger teenager, and my parents, my mother and stepfather would be sitting there and they'd, they never watched good TV. It was always (laughs) BC and followed by the 7.30 report. So, you know, we never watched mainstream television. But I do remember very, very clearly knowing that there was something a little bit different about me. And then on the, on the news, there was this thing called a Mardi Gras. Yay. And I distinctly remember my mother saying, fucking poofters. Yeah, there was, there was always that kind of language back in the day. And it always made it tricky to to have these conversations in the podcast episode that I did with Paul Mitzi from the Swapcast podcast. We touched on, you know, at the time when I was coming out, there was Coronation Street, my mum's favourite soap opera back in the day. They were doing uh, that TV channel's very first ever on-screen kiss. 
and it was I was like okay this is you know I don't even want to watch this and I stood outside the door and I heard my mum and my sister making squeamish noises mm. and I mean you know my mum and my sister like that they don't care but it was the first time that it had been on TV and it was just so weird. And then as somebody who was trying to come to terms with their sexuality and hearing the people you love have that response, you kind of go two not, steps back and you're like, fuck, I can't. It's not very encouraging, is it? It's really not. And you know what? They didn't mean to. No, of course not. Like if they knew that there was something going on and they were being slightly insensitive, like they wouldn't have had that reaction at all. I'm sure of it. No, of course not. I mean, you know my mum and my sister really well. Yeah. So a little bit in my story. So I came out 17 years ago when I was 18. And to be quite frank, as difficult as that decision was, I've never, ever looked back on it or, or felt like it was the wrong choice to make. There were some things that were difficult. When I came out, like for me, I'd had a girlfriend all through high school and she was and is lovely, a, a great human. And she and I had been together for ages and mum was getting to the point because mum and dad, they were obviously, they were young when they had Kim and I. And they were getting, I'm sorry, mum was getting to the point where she was like, you know, are you going to propose to Laura? Are you guys going to have babies? Like what's, what's the go here? And she was getting kind of excited by it all. And I had to sit there and go, well, I can't do that I internally I was like I can't have babies with Laura I can't do this to her because that's not in my head I was like well that's not right it's not right to do that then it wasn't that I didn't love her I did love her but was I in love with her back then but this time probably not I I kind of ended up looking at me leaving school as a time for me to leave all of that behind so you know any sort of bullying like I hated school and so for me, leaving school, it was this big turning point in my life. And I really was just, I ended up suddenly being out and wouldn't say proud. I wasn't overly proud at that point, but it was really difficult to to come out knowing that Laura would be there going, was it me? Did I do this? Because there, there was hardly anyone that was gay in my school or, you know, nobody identified that way. There was always, there's always one boy who was just so fucking confident and queer and you're like, I hate you. But oh, I see were. what you're doing and, you know, I wish I could be that brave. There were some gayish people in our school that, you know, you could sit back and go, probably going to be a lesbian or a gay man. But no one was really out. No one was waving the flag and saying, this is me, this is who I am. Neither was there anybody that we knew. Neither was there anybody that was in our family. Like, it was just, it was so isolating. I really got bullied in high school. And, I don't know, I guess I wasn't very feminine, but who knows? Maybe there was some telltale signs for people. I don't know. I had a couple of incidents uh, one of them was, I was, you know, wag school one day with a couple of friends and we went out and uh, into the scrub and, you know, we're sitting around and... I mean, this sounds like uh, how all good gay stories start. Oh, yes, sure. We wag school and we went into the scrub. Yeah. Just us boys. No, we were we were just hanging out. And um, I'd said a comment, which was uh, something like, suck my dick or something. But it was it came out wrong and awkward. It, it wasn't it wasn't me <laughs> saying that. It was just like, you know, shut up or something or other. And anyway, these two friends of mine who I thought were friends, they mentioned it. And we had a laugh at that time. Like, we giggled and thought it was really, really funny. And then, of course, the next day I went back to school. And at this point, I'm probably about, I don't know, 15 or 16 years old. And then there's this rumor going around about that I had asked to suck someone's dick. And I'm like, no, that's not what happened. I said that, but that's not what happened. So I just ran with that. So I got all sorts of nicknames. I was called Hetty and, you know, all sorts of things for, for a long time. And uh, Hetty. <laughs> 
call me heady. You would have thought they would have been able to come up with something better. I mean, a good one for me, because I, I guess there's that thing about boys at school. They all, they kind of, if, you, if you're even remotely different, so you don't even have to be gay or effeminate or anything like that. But if you, for some reason, you, you're remotely not, you know, one of the cool guys, the, the, the go-to thing, the go-to bullying technique is to do the whole, you're gay, you're queer, you're whatever kind of thing. And just uh, for, for those boys that you went to school with, if they're listening to this, they definitely should have come up with a better name for you, a better nickname, a better bullying name. Not that I'm encouraging people to be better bullies. That's not good. But, um, well. you know, try having a surname where the first three letters rhyme with gay oh yeah so you know sean gayla was a thing for a very long time and uh, it was it was always annoying i had the i would have like random people come up and go are you sean nola i'd be like yeah and they would just like people would know who i was and it was never for a good reason but it was never because everybody thought i was gay it's, i mean a lot of people did and that's fine look they were right <laughs> who cares but uh yeah i was one of those people at school where i didn't really know that many people i didn't have that much to do with a lot of people but everybody seemed to know who i was speaking of great to bullying there was another one that happened to me Ooh. i mean these are these are just things that happened to me basically before i even left school like one of my closest friends or so i thought we grew up together from like 1987 up through to the mid 90s right and we had a falling out it was over a girl funny enough and this individual who i won't name went down to an afl oval on a main road and with some sump oil spelt out in very large letters for everyone to see ben cole is gay can you imagine what I thought when I drove over the hill that day and I looked across and there's my name? You were like, who, who's, who's this other Ben Cole? Who's this other guy? Who is this other dude? That was devastating. You know? Yeah, that so would have been These awful. things were like, well, anyway, these things were just, like the consequences were, for me, so severe about coming out because there was so much hate. I was being bullied and victimized and that's so unfair, you know? Anyway, I skipped forward a few years. About 21, I thought, yeah, this is probably the time and then i met a met a girl fell in love and then fell pregnant and so then i was looked i was uh, had two decisions to make number one i could come clean and say look this is who i am and uh that would have made things very difficult i felt at the time so the other decision was well do i do the right thing do i continue to be a loving partner and um you know keep a lid on this and be a great father and do all the things that a man should do because that's how I was conditioned to do it. And so I did it. And then it's I funny suppressed that you it. should say do the right thing because to me, and you know, knowing everything that, that I know about you and, and just, you know, the way the world is right now, the right thing to do would have been to come out and to honor that and to live that. But at back then, you know, so we're talking like 20 years ago, back then, and particularly in Australia, which is much, you know how much I love this country, but Australia is behind a lot of other places in the world socially the right thing to do is that it, they can society conditions you the right thing to do it's like my parents they got married really young and it was because my mama got pregnant and my dad was like well i guess we better get married then and that's not the right thing to do and you know they loved each other and they ended up you know they had me which is wonderful for everyone it's interesting that you say that it wasn't the right thing to do but back then it probably was in hindsight with back day like you know was it the right thing to do or was it the right thing for the for you to do at the time at the time it was the right thing for me to do yeah but just because it was it was was it the right thing to do here's a question by you, you? Or was it the right thing to do for someone else? Oh, no, this was never... No. My whole coming out experience was never about me. <laughs> it was never about me. It was always putting all these people around me. You know, here I was with a girl who was pregnant and it was about her. It was about the baby. It wasn't about my feelings. It was about me doing, air quotes, the right thing. I had 
several moments throughout my life. Once we'd separated, and uh, I think the, the kids were four and six at the time, so we were married for seven years. And then we separated, and then I thought, well, maybe this is the time to do it. But just before that, my little brother, Andy, he was really ill. He had a very severe mental illness, and it was a good four or five years of absolute heartbreak for me and and, and my ex-wife. Oh, everyone. Everybody. My mother, the grandparents, like this guy was so ill and non-compliant with any kind of medication whatsoever and he was in and out of psych wards and he was in prison hospitals, not because he was a criminal, just because they didn't have anywhere else to put him. The health sector was in a sham back then and probably still is. Um, And so while that's going on, I mean, that whole situation was really damaging to to my marriage because I had to go and put a lot of effort into that as well. So, you know, I wasn't going to come out of that. Eventually, my brother took his own life as well, which um, was devastating. So there was, you know, my poor mum was just decimated by that. The how, whole... how old were you at the time? I was probably 30 around that time. Yeah. Yeah, somewhere there. Anyway, so that wasn't the right time to come out. And then, you know, my brother did take his life and then that sort of settled down a bit. And then everyone sort of got on with life and I was faced with this point where I'm going well maybe now's the time and then my grandmother got sick and my grandfather got sick and so I pulled up from where I was living on the Sunshine Coast and moved back and then you know over a period of two years that sort of unfolded and then there was all sorts of troubles and so there was just never a time for me where I could just go and say fuck everybody else this is about me it's not in my nature to do that I just had to worry about everybody else because I actually really totally believed right that for me to come out would be so detrimental to my grandparents. Well, I remember when I came out and one of the very first things that was said to me by family members, loving family members who are, you know, so supportive and, and you know, just so on on my side all the time was don't tell your grandparents because, and it was, the reasoning was, is they're from a different generation. They won't, they won't get it. They won't understand. And then I ended up moving back to Australia and while I was, I was living out here, my auntie was going through a rough patch and she ended up letting slip that I was gay. And I think it was to take the focus off of herself. And I remember my mum calling me and she was like, you know, no grand had found out that you're gay. And in my head, I'm like, oh, fuck, this is the moment where everybody disowns me. This is the thing everybody warned me against. And ironically, my granddad, who's no longer with us, made a very inappropriate joke, which I will not say, but it was to do with penises and bums and other things. But he made an inappropriate joke, which just kind of made me go, he's okay with it. And then there was this level of not resentment. There was just this level of you guys, I could have, I could have told them like they would have been okay with it. And then not too long after that, my granddad passed away and my Nana is still with us and she's, you know, hilarious. My grandfather was a very wise man and he would have probably just taken it in his stride. He'd been through so much in his 96 years of of his life. I regret that I wasn't able to tell my grandmother before she passed because I was very, very close with her. And true story, probably a year or two before she passed, she went and saw uh, a psychic and Mm -hmm. it was told to her that someone in the family was gay. Did you ever find out who it was? (laughs) I found out. (laughs) Unfortunately, she didn't. I just had to keep my mouth shut at that particular point, you know, because... It was just everyone was going through stuff. See, that's it. Like when I was coming out, I always felt like there was never a right time to do it. And it did get, for me, it got to a point where I just 
felt suffocated. I felt so suffocated by all the people at school, everybody else. Like I just, I, I was watching people on TV living their happy little gay lives. And I was like, I should be able to do that. And I got to this one point where I told, a, like I kind of dipped my toe in a little bit. And I told a couple, I told my cousin Kirsty, I told a couple of friends and I'd, I'd been given a fair bit of support. And then it was uh, my cousin Natalie's 18th birthday. So I would have already been 18 at this point because I think Nat's birthday's in the October and I'm in the August. And she had a, a half brother who was going to be there. His name was Sasha and he is gay. And I remember finding out that he was going and I was like, because I knew no gay people, especially no sort of slightly older gay people. And I was like, okay, well, I can go and I'll have a, I'll, I'll corner Sasha and just be like, what do I do? Like, I'm going to need some help here. I, I don't know what I'm doing. Ironically, eventually I did corner Sasha and we <laughs> were standing by the entrance to the men's room of all the places. And uh, I said to him that I was gay and I didn't know how to tell anyone. And he was like, oh, Sean, I've, uh, he was like, I knew you were gay when you were a baby. Like he was like, you were just, there's something about you, like, you know, you're gay. Full of glitter. Full of glitter. It might have been the time that I put my pajama pants on my head and pretended it was long hair. This is why I have long hair now. I did that too. Did you too? Mm. Oh, cutie. But um, yeah, he was like, I've always known. And he was like, your mum's the coolest person. Like, she's not going to have a problem. And then my uncle came out to actually use the toilet. And I was mortified. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, he heard. He heard. I was like, oh, no. And then I was like, well, I'm going to have to say something. And then it became this whole thing where, like, my Uncle Colin found out. And he was lovely. He was like, you, you have to tell your mum. He's like, you can't let anyone else tell her. You need to tell her. And weeks and weeks and weeks went past. And then my poor mum was sick. I think she had the flu or something. And she was in bed. And I was, like, in my bedroom, all full of teenage angst, you know, pacing my tiny box room. Because, you know, English houses. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I have to say something. I have to do it. If I don't do it now, I won't do it at all and so this is then this was weeks like this from nat's birthday to when i did it this was weeks and it was literally all i could think about i would go to work and i would be thinking about how am i going to do this what are, like am i going to be kicked out am i going to be left homeless like am i going to have to like where am i going to go and i ended up knocking on my mom's bedroom door i was like mom i need to tell you something and she was like okay she comes out in a robe and she's got you know she looks like a hot mess and I'm like, mum, I have to tell you this. If I don't tell you this now, I probably never will. And she was like, what is it? And she was so sick, bless her. And I didn't even go, I'm gay. I was like, I'll ease her in. And I was like, well, you know how I find women attractive. And she's like, yes. I'm like, I also find men attractive. And she was like, okay. And then she, she was obviously processing and she gave me a cuddle and then she went to bed and nothing was sort of said of it. And I was in my bedroom. I was like, what's, ha what, what's happening? Like, what? Shall what? I pack a bag now? Yeah, like, I better get my things. <laughs> and then I got a knock on the bedroom door and I was terrified to open it in that brief second. And when I did, it was my stepdad, Brian, and he was standing there and he said that it doesn't matter and that they you know they'll all love me no matter what and yeah he gave me he gave me gave me a hug and he went back to bed and i was then i was like oh okay it's okay it's okay to be gay so then i knocked on my sister's door i was like well i'm on a roll may as well go three for three and uh knocked on kim's door and i told her and she stood in the doorway and the fucking bitch started a slow hand clap <laughs> like Typical the, Kim. well done and I was like, oh, you fucking bitch. I was like, you're not talking to you. And then for the next however long I was on a real sort of emotional height, I've never felt like... They say like when you do this sort of thing, the weight of the world is lifted off of your shoulders and it literally... Oh my God. 
was. Like I'd never felt lighter. I'd never felt happier. I'd never felt more like, you know what? The, the future is mine. That That's a, such a cliche, but it's actually so true. So how old were you when you went quite gay to the time when you um, uh, decided to come out? How many years was that? Look, it was a long time. I remember being little and watching Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman in Fire and Away. And you know, he, he's all naked because she stabbed him in the thigh with a hay fork thing. Mm-hmm. And he's naked. And for some reason, they've just put a bowl over his junk. And she lifts up the bowl to have a peek. And I remember being kind of like, yeah, I'd fucking do that. Right. And so that was, I was little. Like, and I was like, and then, you know, I remember being really young and my sister got this book about Johnny Depp and there was this really awesome picture of him and he was playing guitar with like all this backlighting and his long hair, like greasy hair. And I remember going, that's a really hot picture. And then there was always, there was just always men. And I was like, yeah, I love women. I think women are beautiful and I find them very attractive, but there was just more of a sexual connection to men, even from a young age. And yeah, I kind of that went on and on and on. And then I kept trying to push it down and pretend that I wasn't that. And I would be so mad at myself for liking men. And uh, yeah, that like that went on for years. So that would have been, gosh, I was tiny. And then let's say at least 10, 10 to, 10 to 12 years, I knew that I liked boys. Well, and I was, then I, was, I came out. I was around 14. And then I came out when I was 37. So to walk around with all that information and all that being guarded and all of that being secretive and all of the things that my straight mates never had to do. Like they never had to go, oh, I'm coming out as a straight man, (laughs) right? They've never had to do that. So it's hard for them to understand how it works, I guess, for a gay man. But after all that time, literally the world, the weight of the world was taken off my shoulders. Like it's, it's the, it's the biggest cliche in the world, but it's so, it's so, it's so real. You know, I had people tell me that the first person I actually told was my best mate. Hi Dave. And I'm not sure how long it was after we had that conversation. I know that it was, it was New Year's Eve and it was just him and I hanging out and he, for some reason, decided that we were going to go and have a nice lunch somewhere and then we we're going to go to a Korean day spa. And I'm like, yeah, great, we'll do that. Didn't know what it was about. It was a lot of naked men in a pool of all ages. Old people, young people, just hanging out. I was so uncomfortable, right? Anyway, later that night, New Year's Eve, I ended up telling him. Now, it could have been a year or two before I told anybody else. It probably was, but he was the first. Well, when I, when we very first met, you were still in the closet to the most part, I think. I remember us having a conversation. I think you told me that your best friend knew and your mum knew at that point. And I remember having a conversation with you one night when things started to get kind of serious between us in which I said to you that you needed to really start thinking about your future and what you know possibly coming out because at this point I'd already been out and on my own little journey for a real long time and I wanted to be with you but I was not willing to go back in the closet for you or anyone or to be introduced like the worst thing I can think of is for to be introduced to somebody as oh this is my friend um that's always been something I've always like no don't ever introduce me anyone as your friend if we're not friends well that was a condition of of us dating and moving forward well it was basically me saying i believe there was two conditions wasn't there no there were three Oh, there were they? three conditions. So it wasn't, I don't want to say that this is a condition to us dating because it wasn't, it wasn't, it was basically me saying, if we want to get serious, then you need to get serious about being honest to the world. And the timing was right. And so, you know, that yeah. little push that you gave me or that big push, that threat that you made. Was, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it's not the a best threat. thing that has ever happened to me. It will look, well, it, 
well, you're to welcome. a degree. But it was never it was never a threat. It was really just like if you want me, I'm not going to be less than for anyone. And that's right. And that inspired me to want to be able to do it. What were the other two conditions? I was not registered to vote here mm-hmm. in Australia and you were like, I can't date somebody who's not registered to vote. And <laughs> You didn't have a passport, and I was like, "Well, I'm not dating somebody who's not worldly and doesn't have a passport because there's a whole fucking world that you 2020 you so, cannot go." After and all that, I had to come out. What a what, a, what an inconvenience it was, but it was it was great. It's funny how I look at my life now, and I've got the pre coming out and the, the post coming out. I'm sorry, the pre come what? I'm not gonna. You better edit that out. <laughs> no. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So you've got the pre coming out, you've got the post coming out. I'm just saying that that was a. And then do you sleep? And there was just a distinct line. And do you remember when you were just saying earlier about was it a cousin or a step cousin or something? And they they said, oh, your mum's really cool. She'll be okay with it. Yeah, Sasha. So I had a similar experience because my mum is an old hippie, right? She used to always talk about how, you know, she would, uh, oh, I, you know, I had these people that I used to work for and they were so gay. And then I worked with these people. And that was probably the only conversations about gay people, about gay people that we ever had. But typically someone that was born in the 50s and grew up in the 60s and 70s, Right? Yeah. They should be okay with free love and love who you want and all that sort of stuff. Well, you would think, but not always the case. No, and everyone's like, your mum's going to be great. And then I told her, and it was a real problem for her. Why was it a problem? The problem wasn't the fact that I was gay. The problem that she had was that I had never told her. We got to a point where she goes... You can't tell Poppy, her husband. You can't. You can't tell him. Like you just can't. You just like I don't know how he's going to react. Like he was always very homophobic. A softer-hearted guy, but always homophobic. I think one of the things that turned it around, which gave me a bit of courage to be able to to say to Mum and and to Poppy that yeah, you know, it was going to be okay. Is we got invited to a wedding, and it was two ladies getting married, and that was the first. And we all went together. They were colleagues of ours, so we all just sort of worked in the same circle. And we went to this wedding, and going. I remember going there. We were all like. Don't know how this is going to go with old mum and puppy, but they had the best day 
and they just loved it and thought it was really, really good. And, I'm, and I even contacted one of those ladies a little while ago and said, you know, you're a real inspiration. That was really, really good and so brave of you. Because, you know, what? those girls got married before it was legal to do so in Australia. And so I thanked them both for having the courage to do that because it really, really inspired me to, to be able to make changes in my life. So anyway, sat down, spoke to mum. And I've got to say, I've been out now for, what, seven years-ish? Six or seven years. Six or seven years. Poor old Mumsy, she has just come to terms with it. It's funny because I remember the first time I met your mum, one of the things that she said to me was that I came out when I was 18, so my life would have been much easier than yours and hers. Right. And I remember being really offended by that. And I was like, well, just because I came out when I was 18, that didn't make it easier. Like it was still a traumatic and problematic experience to go through because you just, not one coming out is easier than the next. I don't think so. I think, you know, you might have different people in different support networks. And I think for the generations that are coming of age now, it's the, the world is probably a little bit softer if you're talking mainstream but and, you know and there's more queer people represented on tv and movies than ever before which is wonderful but it's never easy for someone to come out and every experience is different so i when i remember when she said that to me i was really upset because it really devalued my experience and it really just was like well you know, you've had it easy. And it's like, no, I haven't. I have not had it easy. You don't know. Get back in your box and we'll discuss this later. Hmm. Yeah, it was it was hard. And also when you're with your partner and they're introducing you to the mum to the, for the first time, that's really not a great starting off point. It's just so interesting that everyone thought that she'd be just so cool with it, but she, she actually just wasn't. And she's always made it about herself. She's one of the people that I had to have a discussion with before we decided to talk talk about this on the podcast because I had to get her to understand that this was you know this was about me this was about decisions that I had made and it always just came back around to oh yeah okay no worries but what about me you didn't tell me and why couldn't you come to me and how's it going to affect me and rah 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 you know two other friends uh, a dear friend of mine um, you know one of my best friends she later told me five years down the track because when I eventually told her she was very surprised in fact pretty much everyone was surprised I mean you're not you're, you're not your stereotypical gay no no so she was surprised but and then she was kind of silent and then we didn't you know we sort of drifted apart a little bit and that that wasn't just because of this issue but it was, it was because of distance as well and then she re recently had a conversation with me and she was kind of she was she wasn't angry at all but she was kind of disappointed that in herself that she wasn't the best friend that she could be so that i thought that i could go and talk to her about that and then her her, her partner said you know what it must have been a, a heavy conversation because, you know, and I, I don't know her partner very, very well. I've only met him a few times. But he turned around and went, this is not about you. This is about him. Have a think about how hard it was been for him. So when that conversation happened, uh, she then came and had that conversation with me. And we understand each other a little bit better now. But that was just a sur surprising thing. And, you know, I don't hold that against her at all by any means. I just think it's really interesting, not so much, you know, not just for the person that, that's changing their life and coming out, but also the people that are around them. There is that person, you know, you do yeah. have that level of people who they, I guess, consider themselves like the best friend and the most supportive friend. And it can be hard sometimes for somebody to go, oh, they, why, why on earth did they not think they could tell me? Like, oh, look at me. I'm an amazing human and I love everyone and equal rights and all of this business. But why did they not tell me? And, you know, 
this, your friend's partner was right. They couldn't tell you because it wasn't about you. It was about them and it's their journey and it's their journey to, to coming out and to identifying in a way that they're comfortable with and being able to be comfortable in themselves. My actual coming out was, was, was it wasn't easy, of course. However, I have to say it was much easier than I thought it was going to be. I in think the long that's run. the surprise, isn't it? Oh, that's oh, a surprise. Like... Absolutely. Because once you feel that weight of the world coming off your shoulders, it really propels you forward. Yes. I mean, you, you know? went into every shop and spoke to every person that would listen. And any chance you got, you were like, you were coming out left, right and center. Well, you know, it's a real sport. I, I, you know, <laughs> but, but isn't it funny that we actually never, ever stop coming out? Never, ever. You know, again, one thing that people in, in the queer community have this tag on them. If you're a straight person, you don't have to go to work and tell them you're straight. You don't have to have an awkward conversation about your girlfriend I, I just love when you go to the shops or, you know, there's a little health food shop around the corner from my house. And I was in there a few weeks, probably months back. And uh, I was like, they asked if I had an account with them. I was like, no, but my partner does. And they're like, what's her name? Mm, and I'm yeah. like, Benny. <laughs> Yeah, and they're like seven with a oh, colleague. Oh, and how's oh. and and how's the missus going? I'm like, but you see them check the check their privilege a little bit, and you see them go, I okay, I've made an assumption here. Oh, look, it's Probably quite a sport. We're quite like that, but but you know, to be honest, we will never ever ever stop that. It will always no. be happening, and that's something that the straight people just just will will never have to endure. I heard something horrible recently, and I've shared this with you before, but this was about people who are elderly, who have been out and had partners, and then they're forced to go back into the closet. How so? Well, they're with a long-term partner, their partner passes passes away, or they get ill or whatever, and they have to go into a nursing home, and let's just say he's this 80-year-old bloke who goes into a nursing home full of other 80-year-old blokes who are, you know, from that generation and may not be as understanding. And they can't talk about their their partner. They feel a fear of persecution. Like they yeah, might that would have be devastating. Yeah, they have, and it's actually a real thing. People would come in and clean their house, and they've got to flip over their photos of their partners because they don't want the cleaners to see. Like, why is it that we have to feel shame? Whether you're, you know, a fifteen year old who is attracted to to the same sex, and you're made to feel shame because of it, or you know, you're a 80, 90 year old person who has had an entire life with someone that they've loved, and they've gone through through so much they've gone through a lot of repression they've gone through you know fighting for equality in the 80s and then you know they've watched marriage equality become a thing and then they having to go back in the closet it's devastating there needs to be more aged care facilities for people who identify as not straight yeah and then they're starting to become a thing um, well, it needs to be more now. and they need to come around quicker because it's not fair so for me my biggest influence on how i was going to do it was obviously my two children yes now before we get stuck into how the kids found out and, and where everyone is at now it's worth noting that for a time frame you lived a life with your ex-wife that was somewhat religious and religion it does come into play here quite heavily in my opinion and your ex-wife she still is very religious and your kids go to sorry one of your kids still goes to a christian school but not for much longer because he's about to become a giant adult uh and then your daughter she has left that school a little while ago and you have two incredibly well-adjusted beautiful kids who i just want to you know, get this out of the way before we get into it, who are loving and supportive of our relationship. And you have an ex-wife who understandably struggled to get there, but she's in a great place now as well. But yes, 
coming out you for you it was a, one of the biggest parts of coming out was having to have these conversations with your kids yeah it was it was almost kind of forced upon me when i wasn't ready which was fine like it's okay because i had to be ready i had had a conversation you and i were dating my daughter had started dating a boy as well yes. and you know i thought it was a great idea this one particular night we were having a really nice time together to tell her that oh you've got a boyfriend great guess what so do i in hindsight, she, was 14. she probably wasn't ready for that she conversation. She probably wasn't ready for that. And But you did what felt organically right at the time. Yep, it was a very, very open and honest conversation. And, you know, okay, she's 14, but she was a little bit more mature, I thought. Anyway, she held on to that for a little while. And then eventually there came to a point where she had to have a discussion with her mother. And I actually said to her, and it was probably unfair of me to do so, but I said to her, you know, let's not tell anybody. I'm yeah, going to come out. Not good. I'm going to come out, but I'm going to do it soon and I have to do it at the right time. And she couldn't wait for that. So she told her mother. No, it was probably a bit too heavy for Yeah, it probably was. And then one morning uh, I was here. Ah, yes, I was getting ready for work. You were getting ready for work. And I had this four-page email sent to me from my ex-wife. Now, I guess I'm lost for words of, of what that letter was, but it was it was such a hard read and... There was a very religious undertone. There were threats and there was a whole heap of things that were banded around. And then it sort of made me think, well, you know, here's my son who is about to start his first year of high school in a Christian school. How's this going to affect him? So I kicked straight into, let's not worry too much about the content of the letter. Let's worry more about the future. We'll worry about everybody's feelings later on but let's really focus on this poor little soul who's about to go to school so i engaged a psychologist and i went and found a proper one that uh, could deal with the queer issues and i spoke to them and then eventually you did, you did the responsible thing yeah and i needed to i needed to arm myself this was not about me this was not at all about me going oh, i'm really struggling here even though i was this was about me arming myself with the tools and the knowledge to be able to have this conversation with my son who was about to start high school and how I was able to integrate, you know, me, him, his mother, his sister, yourself and all that. We did that a few times. I remember going to the session and, you know, my ex-wife was basically shut down by the psychologist because she was being unreasonable and it was it was probably not going to work. But we did enough work to be able to figure out how it was going to go. Eventually, as angry and sad and hurt as she was and she had every right to be, she still worked with me for the children. So we got together and we sat down and we had the conversation with Ethan. I remember the run-up to that conversation and I remember it well because I am a sentimental, soppy fool and I was so worried about you having this conversation because it had been built up to this big thing. You know, I know that your ex-wife was saying he's not capable to deal with these things. He's He is homophobic and I'm sorry, but no 14-year-old boy is, is homophobic unless that's a learnt behaviour. And you were being told all of these things and I just kept saying to you, he's going to surprise everyone. He is going to be okay. 14-year-olds, they're resilient. You know, they're adaptable, they're adjustable, they're resilient. And you, I was more concerned for you going in to have this conversation and I was worried that it was going to end up somehow being an attack on you. And I also knew how hard this conversation was for you to have with your son because you're also worried going, I've been told that he's homophobic and this and this and this. And no matter how much you know him, 
you're also being told these things. And I remember popping into the local uh, local Zing and picking up a little Funko bobblehead thing of the Cowardly Lion from The Wizard of Oz. And I gave it to you before you were going to have this conversation. You were like, what's this for? And I was like, the Cowardly Lion needed courage. And I'm giving you this to give you courage. And I remember that meant a lot to you at the time. So you gave me the line and it sat there. And then we had this conversation with Ethan and he's like, no, it's not true. You're joking. This is not real. This is not real. And we, both of his parents are going, mate, it's, it's real. We're not, we're not kidding here. Like, this is actually how it is. This isn't something we're going to just make up and joke about. This isn't, this isn't an April Fool's Day. Like, we wouldn't joke about it. And then eventually he settled down a little bit and there were some more conversations about, you know, I don't recall exactly what was said, but the things like, you know, you're still loved. All the things that you need to tell a young man when he's got news that it's like this. Eventually, that sort of conversation subsided and we started talking about other stuff. And then he realised that there was this little lion, this little pop vinyl type thing. He goes, what's that? I said, oh, well, somebody gave me that for courage. And then I told him that, you know, I'd had a partner and that you're in my life and that his sister had already met you, I think, at that point. Yeah, I'd already met, met your daughter. Yep. And I said, you know, I was really scared, Ethan, to have this conversation. But Sean gave me this lion, which represents courage. And then he asked me if he could hang on to that lion. So you gave me that lion and we quickly had to upcycle <laughs> it to him. <laughs> But that was the, the first... The cause. Absolutely. That was the first point where he publicly accepted the fact that it was going on and that this was real and it, and it was going to be all good. And so he still has that line to, to the day. I remember ringing you and saying, do you mind if I give away the lion, please? I was devastated. I was like, <laughs> no, you were. Got, got, fine, give, give away the lion. Um, <laughs> kids no, are a burden. Kids are a burden. No, not really. Um, and more than happy for, you know, little little... Tiny fella to take the lion to give himself a little bit of courage. But to but, this day, you know, he is still one of our biggest champions. Yeah, one of our biggest supporters. And Both of them are. And, you know, it, it, even even the ex-wife is. Like, things have changed in so long. People come around and, and people take time, even my own mother. Yeah, I think that's the real thing about coming out is, yes, to certain people, it is going to be a shock and an adjustment, especially, you know, for somebody who comes out later in life, because everybody's kind of already got this perception of you. This is who you are. You're this person, you're straight, you've been married, you've got kids, you've got all of this. And then you throw a bombshell and you're like, hey, guys, I'm actually covered in glitter and super fabulous. Yeah. And some of us really deserve an Oscar for, you know, all the, all the work we did. <laughs> can't believe you just said and, that. No, but like such such a stressful thing to have to, to go for so long and have this persona that it was just an absolute... I'm never going to say it was a lie because if anybody... You never you never lived a lie. You just never lived your truth. That's true. That's a very clear distinction, you know, and people may struggle to be able to, to make that distinction, but you, I it's, don't it's see, definitely how it is. Really I look at your right. relationship with your ex-wife and I would never go, you didn't love her. Even the relationship that you two have today, you can still see that it was founded on love you know and if it wasn't you wouldn't have the relationship that you have and you wouldn't be able to co-parent the way that you guys have done which is a credit to both of you and yes when she initially found out that her ex-husband and the father of two of her children is a homosexual that was a horrible adjustment and she wrote no offense if you're listening a disgusting letter which was offensive on many levels and i remember you telling me to read it and i was like no i'm not gonna read this letter that this lady has written and then eventually 
you went, okay, I'll hear the letter. And I think I got out three sentences. No, no, I read it. So you, there were a couple of people in your life important to you who read it and all of them had the same response, which was, this is a disgusting letter. People shouldn't say these things. And I didn't want to read it. And my mindset was this. If you and I stay together, break up, get back together. Like if we, if we're having a future together and I'm going to be in your life, then I'm going to be in the kid's life, which means by association, their mother is going to be in my life. And I don't want to judge a woman based on a letter that she wrote when she was angry. And I remember having that specific conversation with you. Um, And I think, you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing and I'm sure she doesn't remember everything that was in that letter. Yeah, absolutely. You know, all my friends and like everybody in my life, my colleagues and everybody, everyone's just been so amazing. Like it was, I I cannot believe how bloody easy it was and how accepting people were. And I remember sitting there going, imagine if I did this 20 years ago. I wonder if I'd done this 20 years ago, whether that would have been the same case. When it comes to a lot of the people in your life and a lot of the people in my life when I came out, they know you when they love you and anything else should be irrelevant. It's not always irrelevant for everyone. There are people out there who come out and they are met with devastation when they do. And I think for us, we've been really lucky. And for a lot of a lot of people out there, they are really lucky that they come out and their families are just loving and supportive families who go, okay, well, yep, this is you. We'll love you no matter what. Can we talk a little bit about internalized homophobia and, and shame? Go on. Because this was something that I didn't realize was a thing. But... <laughs> But like gay pride was, to me was like, oh, I'll get out in the streets and dance around and do all these bits and pieces. And I haven't really understood what gay pride is until the last couple of years where, you know, we are different and we are queer and we're here and we're out and we're proud. It's really important to, to be able to celebrate that because we weren't able to celebrate that before because we had this internalized homophobia within ourselves, even as homosexuals that was, was programmed into us. And that's absolutely devastating to people. I think that's a really important thing to talk about is that it's, it's sort of programmed into you. I guess being kids of the 80s and 90s, you know, probably it's just how it was. And I also believe knowing full well that I have many staff that I've worked with in the last few years that are teenagers. It's just, it's not programmed into them. Like, it's just not. No, and I remember being... And I'm, st- I'm only talking generally. Yeah, I remember... Yeah, of course, generally, because for some people it is programmed into them. But I remember being young and going, one day, this isn't going to matter so much. And I, I enjoy that, you know, look at your kids, right? They, they went to a, a Christian school. And it's funny, because, like, in that particular school, and my son has told me this recently that there are about, I think he said about eight, eight or nine people in that school who's had a parent that have decided to leave a marriage and then go off with another partner of the same sex. Like back then, it, there was only one or two, but now it's it's, it's rife. It's almost like it's a pandemic. Rife. Eight or nine. Eight or nine, but you know. <laughs> so it's, it's just one of those things that happens now. And, and the kids these days, it's just part of life i guess so i'm hoping i'm really really hoping that that inbuilt internalized homophobia is much less than it ever has been 
because I think the next generation will be much more accepting and that's that's a really great thing. Now, can we celebrate all the really wonderful things from the other side of coming out? Because we've spoken a lot about the lead up to it and we've spoken a lot about the barriers, but like, let's go into how good it is now. So I'm really proud of all the people that I've dragged along in this journey of mine, um, this coming out journey, because they've all been so wonderful. You know, all of my mates, all of my family, everyone's just been so accepting and it's just like not even a big deal. And it was really such a stressor to be able to sit back. You tormented yourself for years. Many, many years. And, you know, and I'd always put everybody else in my family first because we'd been through some serious shit, you know. And then when I finally got to putting myself first, they all came to the party. I would never say to anybody that, you know, the timing's never going to be right. For me, it took a long time. Yeah, it was right. And And something came up. And I think that I don't want to take away from what you're saying, but I I do want to say that for anybody who is in a similar situation to that, where they keep putting their own identity and their own needs to one side because something could be coming up with family members or there's a death in the family or, you know, these things that happen to you, it's equally as important for you to be able to be yourself and to healthily identify in a way that is helpful to you and progressive to you. Absolutely. And I always thought that my kids were number were my number one priority. But as it turned out, I was. And so, you know, I had to make sure that I was right before anything else. You know that you've got to love yourself before you love somebody else? It's really, really true. I'm so up with the cliches tonight. Oh it's ridiculous. God. Your fabulous Textbook. self is showing. Thank you so much. You're so uh, not new gay anymore. The other thing that I probably would like to mention is I had no fucking idea at all that there was such a supportive community in the queer space. Now, this happened only about two years ago, but I stumbled onto a little podcast called The Gays Are Revolting. Hello, boys. Yeah. Also, wounds are still raw with uh, Benny Cole here because you guys stopped recording. Yeah, they did. But I've got to say that there's having four Australian men talk about, and from various different parts of the of the queer community um it was just so great and so i'm saying that you know if, if you're getting to that point where you want to come out or whatever there are places that you can listen places that you can go people you can see because you are supported and you are loved it's a it's a community that is is ours and we all own it and it's one big happy family and it's kind of so really really cool to say that you're part of that family as I said earlier, like I left school behind and I left, I feel like to, to a degree, I left a life behind when I came out because I was, I was, I was running forward and I wasn't looking back. And all of those incredible people that I've met over the years, I'm still friends with, even down to patrons of the clubs and the bars that I used to work in. I still have regular conversations with a lot of them through Facebook and, and other avenues and they really are just the most beautiful community of people and I, I I wouldn't change my story for the world I don't know if I was going to give some advice to somebody about coming out is that you know do it when you're ready and it's only going to ever get better it may be rocky at the start but it probably won't be but it will certainly be much better as time goes on I would like to thank every single person 
throughout my whole process of coming out. And, you know, like I said, it continues every single day. But in those first couple of weeks and months, my friends, my mates, my family, my colleagues, people that I met down the street, and of course you, because, you know, you made me do it. <laughs> right, I had a knife to your throat. You did, but like... You will come out and be my wife. No, honestly, if, if I hadn't have had you there standing beside me holding my hand, it would have been much darker and probably not a most positive thing because there were times where I'd be sitting there crying my eyes out and you'd be like, well, this is a really positive thing and I couldn't see it, but you made me see it. So I really thank you and everybody else for that whole thing because it was great. Special mention to my two kids. Hey, kids. Hey, kids. Yes, my advice is somewhat similar. If you are struggling with your identity, your sexual identity, your gender identity, however you wish to identify, you it's so important to your health and your mental health that you find a, a way to deal with that. You find a way to cope with it and you find a way to accept yourself because once you accept yourself, other people will come on board and it's not as scary and it's not as dark as it might feel right now. So well said. jump in. The water is great and we are here and we are your rainbow family and we love you and we can't wait to have you on board. So guys, that's a wrap on this week's episode of Excuse Me and the first episode to be featured on Lip Media. I hope you guys really enjoyed the conversation that Benny and I had and I hope there was something in there that you could take away from it. If you are struggling with coming out, there are some helpful helplines which I have embedded into the show notes for you guys if you need someone to talk to. There are plenty of people out there willing and ready to listen to you. Big thanks again to Benny for sharing his very personal story with the world today. It's a huge, huge thing and a very brave thing for anyone to do. So thank you, Benny, for that. To you guys and listeners, if you want to get in touch with me, remember that you can send me a DM through Instagram at excuseme underscore pod, or you can get in touch with me at the official website, excusemeihavesomethingtosay.com. But... Until next time, stay safe, be kind to yourself, and I'll see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.